Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by our longtime friend and member, Scotty Miser. Matthew 17, 14 through 20. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples. They could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Sorry. (laughs) Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Well, good morning, y'all. If you feel like that was an odd story, you're not alone. I think it's a weird story. Um... Jesus seems really mad at his disciples for doing what seemed like the right thing to do. Um, And then he rebukes a demon, and he calls out the disciples for not having enough faith. And I don't know if I'll be able to answer all the questions that you might have about this passage. But I hope in this series on faith, I'll be able to explore what Jesus might mean when he compares faith to a mustard seed, when he compares faith to a thing that grows and moves. So this isn't the only time that Jesus compares things to a mustard seed. Um, In three out of four of the Gospels, uh, Jesus compares the kingdom of God or faith to a mustard seed. He calls it the smallest seed that's available. And yet it's able to, it's able to grow. It's able to house all the birds. And the general point of these metaphors seems to be that small beginnings can lead to large outcomes. That what seems insignificant at the beginning can eventually grow into something that you can no longer ignore. And again, Mark 4 is the one that calls the mustard seed the smallest of all the seeds, but when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. So this isn't the only time that mustard seeds come up, but it's also not the only time that Jesus talks about plants when he's talking about faith and the kingdom of God. I'm an English teacher, so you'll have to forgive me. We're going to go into metaphors for a little bit here. Uh, it's not my fault. Jesus did it. I'm just, I'm just showing you what he did. <laughs> the mustard seed itself is part of a larger pattern in Jesus' teaching. When talking about faith and the kingdom of God, Jesus tends to favor images from plants and from the natural world. 
If you'll bring up that slide, Gary. So that's an icon of the, of the story. Go to the next slide here. Okay, Jesus's plants here, and this is far from an exhaustive list, but these are some of the ways in which Christ pulls on images of the natural world. In John 15, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. In Matthew 13, he says, a sower went out to sow, and he talks about the different ways in which seeds are growing or kept from growing. In Matthew 6, he says, consider the lilies of the field. And in Matthew 20, he tells the parable of the, of the vineyard laborers. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. For whatever reason, when talking about faith and the kingdom of God, Jesus tends to come back to plants over and over and over again. Now, we can contrast this, actually, to Paul who generally favors images from cities and civilization when he's talking about faith and the kingdom of God. Paul's the one on the right holding the church there with, with Peter. He tends to draw on images sometimes from the military when he says in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God. In 1 Corinthians 9, he says, run the race in such a way to get the prize. In... Um, in Philippians 3, he compares it to citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. The kingdom of God is a city. In Ephesians 2, he says, And in Christ, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. Jesus favors plants. Paul favors civilization. Towers versus trees. Now, there's no such thing as a perfect metaphor. If it was a perfect metaphor, it wouldn't be a metaphor. It would just be the thing. But I think both of these metaphors can help us understand the kingdom of God and our own faith better. I don't think there's really like a right or wrong answer. They both help us understand different aspects of the kingdom of God and of our personal faith. But here's where they differ. And I think they differ in one very important way. A good building will look exactly the same today as it did 20 years ago. If it's built well, it will look the same. But a good tree will look radically different. A good tree will grow. So let's look at that verse where Jesus brings up the mustard seed. He says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now if Jesus were to turn this in in a paper in my English class, I might tell him that's a bit of an odd mixing of metaphors. Uh, trees don't move mountains. That's not a thing that trees do. Except they kind of do. If you go to this next slide, 
Trees cost billions of dollars in property damage every year just by being trees. Just by growing where they're planted, they slowly but surely undo stone. They move mountains. Go to that next slide. This tree could not be stopped by a sign that's telling it to do so. Uh, <laughs> it kind of feels like the sign is pleading with the tree. Stop! It's growing up through the hollow pole of the tree and out of the top. If you go to that next slide, and give it enough time, the tree will undo the grave itself. We have a great example of this right in the outside yard. I encourage you to look at the sycamore and look at the plaque that's on it that just says, we don't know how old this tree was, but it was here when William Penn got here. That plaque is being swallowed up by the tree. Now, it doesn't happen fast, right? It's not snapping its fingers and moving mountains. It's taking time. It doesn't happen fast like we want it to, but the trees undo the stone. And the tree isn't doing that because that's a bad gravestone, right? The gravestone was well built. But over time, it's doing that because it's a good tree. A tree's changeability is not weakness, friends. It's part of its strength. And if I described this tree, I'd probably have to call it the gravestone tree. If I described the other one, I'd have to call it the stop sign tree, or I'd have to call it, you know, the, the tree that's swallowing up the plaque, the sidewalk-busting tree. But for whatever reason, we don't like describing our faith that way. We don't like describing our faith in terms of what's happened to us, in terms of our circumstances in terms of the things we've had to grow around. We don't like it when our wounds are part of who we are. But friends, I'm here to tell you today that you and your faith, you're not merely buildings. Like it or not, you're trees. And it's okay that your experience has shaped your faith. It is okay that that has happened. I feel like I should also mention, um, if you didn't have a stop sign or anything in your way, if you just grew straight up with plenty of sun and faith came pretty simply to you, that's fine too. That is a-okay. The important thing is that we grow. Wherever we're planted, the important thing is to grow and to remain flexible in that growth. And over time, trees will grow where buildings crumble. If you take nothing else 
from this sermon today, when thinking about your faith and your experience and the discomfort that comes with growth, just remember that trees grow where buildings crumble. Amen? Amen. Okay, so that was fun for me, but what does any of that have to do with the boy? Go to that next slide, Gary. Let's come back to the story here. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Go to that next slide. Here we have the young man seizing on the ground. This may seem like a, a very distant story to a lot of us. It may feel exotic and strange and probably something we'll never encounter. It's a little closer for me. Last month, I am a, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and, and last month I had a severe hypoglycemic episode. It was a simple mistake. I gave myself too much insulin. I was at a coffee shop with my friend. My sugar dropped faster than I could stop it. And I woke up in an ambulance. Apparently I had gone into a coma and begun seizing on the coffee shop floor. I don't know what it's like to be possessed by a demon, but I know what it's like to not feel in control of your body. I know what it's like to wake up and feel sore, to wake up and find bruises you don't remember getting. Now, I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was 16, and I don't remember it giving me a crisis of faith at the time. But there were definitely some walls put up. There were definitely some directions my faith could no longer grow in because of that experience. For example, I could no longer believe that God always honored our efforts with lighter loads. Because every day, regardless of how well I had done, I woke up just as diabetic as the day before. I couldn't believe in mind over matter, that kind of faith, because my matter would fall apart if I stopped paying attention. I couldn't believe, as many of my brothers and sisters in Christ do, I couldn't believe that the times were only getting worse and that we should go back to a simpler time because a simpler time would not have allowed me to live. And I couldn't believe that all suffering happened to teach us something because what lesson had I learned in year 10 of diabetes that I could not have learned in years one through nine? Walls were put up, sidewalks, stop signs, things I had to grow around. But friends, 
by the grace of God, faith still grew. I cannot take credit for this. And I can't say that it's, I, I did not grow through the trauma. I did not bust through the sidewalk, but I grew around it in weird, weird shapes. I would have never chosen for myself. In shapes I would not recognize until years later were tied to my experience. This boy is no longer an abstract concept for me. When the Bible talks of the sick, that's no longer an abstract concept to me. Like a tree with bent branches, my heart has been forced nearer to suffering I could otherwise ignore. Am I thankful for diabetes? No. But I'm thankful for growth. And I'm thankful for faith that can grow where buildings might crumble. Trees grow where buildings crumble, amen? And each day, wherever we are planted, we may slowly but surely reach the sun and find ways to water. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.